Let's pray together. Holy Father, in the thick of worship as we are right now, we have one simple and humble request. Through Holy Scripture, would you teach us? Make the teaching clear for the glory and honor of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. So here's the question. Will we speak Chinese in heaven? Having just returned from preaching in China, for me at least, that is a fair and reasonable query. For example, did you know that one out of every five inhabitants of this earth lives in China? Did you know that? 1.3 billion human beings speak Chinese. I take a look at these pictures. Uh, China is, and, and I, these are not professionals, Pro- professionally shot. Karen and I uh, put our little uh, slides together here, but it is a land of incredible contrast. I mean, you have these massive, towering skyscrapers, and then on the street you have a, a, a fruit uh, vendor. Let me see the next. Uh, you see the Great Wall there? I tell you what, I could spend an hour on that Great Wall. It is Everything you've heard. And by the way, it's 5,000 kilometers long. The longest human construction on earth. There's Hong Kong at night. There's a, there's a Buddhist temple in China. Now take a look at this. Up in the right corner, can you see a Starbucks, uh, Starbucks shop beneath a pagoda? Now it, that is the stunning contrast of China. Oh, by the way, down in the uh, bottom left corner, we're looking at our hotel window. 1.3 billion people crowded into that nation. Let's go to the next one. Um, up in the upper here, upper left-hand corner is a hospital. Have you ever heard of the China doctor, Dr. Harry Miller? I met him as a kid when we lived in Japan. That's the hospital he raised. I saw the cornerstone. January 1927, that uh, cornerstone was laid. My mother, at the age of 10, 11, and 12, used to go to that hospital. She went to school in Shanghai. That's in Shanghai. People, people, people everywhere in China. 1.3 billion. So I came back from China. And I've learned some Chinese. In fact, in Mandarin, this is how you say thank you. You say, xie xie. Say that with me. Xie xie. That's a beautiful word, isn't it? Xie xie. In fact, I was telling the staff on Monday, I've learned how to sing a song in Chinese. And I'm going to sing it for you right now. And if you know it, you can sing it with me. Xie xie, Lord, for saving my soul. Sing it with me. Xie xie, Lord, for making me whole. Lord, for giving to me your great salvation, so rich and free. Hallelujah. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if God saves China, we will be speaking Chinese in heaven one day because there are more Chinese on this planet than anybody else. But, and here's the question, will God save China? I found a verse in the Bible that may surprise you with an answer, and I'd like us to read it together. Take your Bible out right now with me, and we've got to cut to the chase because this is live television, and you can't go a second beyond. So find your Bible. Open it to the uh, Bible's last book, the Apocalypse, Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to be in the New King James Version today, and if you didn't bring a Bible, you've got to see this picture. It's a snapshot straight out of heaven, so grab the pew Bible in front of you. We'll be in the same translation And if you grab that Bible, it will be page 827. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Old man John, incarcerated on that penal, rocky outcropping called Patmos in the agency. He's writing here, and after these things, this is verse 9, and after these things, I looked. Here we go. 
And behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Ladies and gentlemen, did you catch that? A great multitude which no one could number. So here's the question. How many is that? I want to crunch, I, I want to crunch the numbers with you. I realize it says nobody can do it. But I want, to, I want to do the arithmetic with some numbers. And let's see if we can find out. Take, in fact, I wish you'd drop, jot these uh, numbers down. Grab the study guide that's in your worship bulletin today, will you? Pull it out. Write these numbers down. Thank you, ushers. Right now, hold your hand up. If you don't have a study guide, just hold it up all the way to the back and balcony. We'll make sure you get it. And while you're getting it, I want to say to those of you who are watching on television, you can get this study guide right now if you go to our website. Let me put a web address on the screen for you. See it right there. www.pmchurch.tv. That's the Pioneer Memorial Church. That's our website. Click on to this present uh, series of teachings called Eternity's Edge. We're living at the edge of eternity. And then you want to click on to the teaching, Will We Speak Chinese in Heaven? When you do that, you'll see a little, you'll see a little logo, study guide. Click that study guide logo and you'll have the identical piece that we have here. And by the way, if I go too fast because I'm kicking up into high gear and you miss an answer, at the bottom of our web study guides, you'll have all those answers posted there. Okay, number one. Fill it in, please. A, I saw a great multitude which no one could... Write it in. No one could number. Write it in, please. Nobody could number. Actually, the, the, the word that the elderly John uses here to, des, to describe that uh, numbering, there it is in the Greek. Arithmesai. Arithmesai. Hey, folks, it doesn't take a huge stretch of the imagination to picture an English word. Look at that Greek word. Now try to picture an English word that comes out of it. What's the word? Call it out. Arithmetic. You got it right. So, would you write it down, please? The Greek for arithmesai actually means to do the arithmetic. I.e., John writes, I was shown a vision of heaven one day and I saw a great multitude from earth, a huge crowd so large that nobody could do the arithmetic on the number. Wow. So how many is that? Well, it certainly would have to be more than the biggest number John has come up with in the, in the apocalypse. And you know what the biggest number is? It is a humongous number. Keep your pen moving. Take a look at this. Turn back one page or two pages, depending on your Bible, to Revelation chapter 5. This is the biggest number in the whole Bible. And John's already given it. He's done the arithmetic on this one. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. Okay, we got a lot of mathematicians here. So, how big a number is that? Let's put the first little uh, equation up there. 10,000 times 10,000. What's that number? Now, did your mother, by the way, did, did your mother teach you that when you're multiplying with multiples of 10, you just do what? You count the zeros. How many zeros are up there? There are eight zeros. So, that number would be one with eight zeros. Write it down. 100 million. I saw 100 million. Oh, plus, he says, plus thousands of thousands. So let's put that little formula up. Thousands of thousands. And there's the answer. That would be millions. So you, the total number of angels, as John would record it, it would be 100 million plus millions more, which is the biggest number John can think of. And by the way, 
Daniel, when he counts the angels, comes up with the identical number. So what's all this mean? Come on now, think. When John is granted a vision of the saved of the human race at the end of time, he writes that the number is so great that you can't even do the arithmetic. I can do the arithmetic on the number of angels, but I cannot do the arithmetic on the number of of the saved because it is, write it down, this number is even greater, even greater than the number of angels. He says, he he just writes, when I saw a picture of heaven, it was filled with so many people I couldn't even count them. Now what do you say to that? I couldn't even count them. That's why verse 9, turn back, of chapter 7, reads the way it does. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. What's the point? Write it down. When God does salvation, this is the key, folks. The key word there is salvation. When God does salvation arithmetic, You can't even count. You can't even count His numbers. Write it down. That's how many sinners God plans on saving. What do you say to that? No wonder the saved sinners are set on singing the same song. Same song right here. Look at verse 10. No wonder saved sinners sing this song. Look at verse 10. And they, this innumerable throng, they cried out with a loud voice, and by the way, in the Greek, that's megalephone. Pastor John, isn't that right? That's megalephone. From whence comes our English word? Megaphone. So this is no whimper here. This is a shout. They cry out. What do they cry out? Verse 10. Salvation belongs to our God. Danny, I want you to get this clear. Salvation does not belong to satellites. It doesn't, does it? Salvation does not belong to congregations. It doesn't belong to universities. It doesn't belong to denominations. Salvation belongs to our God and our God who sits on the throne and to the, to the Lamb. Code word, the victor of Calvary. That's where salvation comes from. No question in heaven where it's all come from. And there's no question down here. I know. So, the question is, here's the question. Will they be singing those words in Chinese one day? The Bible doesn't say. Is God big enough to save 1.3 billion Chinese? You do the arithmetic for yourself. Years ago, an English author wrote a book with this title, Your God is Too Small. J.B. Phillips read that book as a teenager. Do you suppose that's our problem as well? Do you suppose we have, our God is too small to handle big numbers? In fact, we're not comfortable with him handling big numbers. By the way, that was Jonah's problem, wasn't it? Jonah had a hard time with big numbers. Have you ever crunched the numbers on Nineveh? Have you? Just a few weeks ago, remember, we were, we were uh, studying the book of Jonah. And we discovered that it is a book of questions, 13 questions all the way through Jonah. And the book ends with question number 13, the very last line of the book. And that question is raised by God. I want to put that, that verse Right up here on the screen, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. Now, this is God God speaking. This is the last line, but Nineveh, God says, talking to Jonah, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that what? About that great city. Shouldn't I be concerned? 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left hand. Some scholars believe that, in fact, what God is describing there 
are the children of Nineveh. You ever walked up to a two-year-old? Ever walked up to a two-year-old and say, Honey, show me your hands. Show me your left hand. Do we have a two-year-old sitting anywhere near the front here? Anybody here too? I mean, you walk up to a two-year-old. That little boy's too? Okay, we're going to try this out, folks. Let's just try this to see if it's true. Now, we probably got a child prodigy here, so be ready. I know Grandpa Skip thinks we do. All right. What's your name, young man? Hello. Yep, that's a great name. What, what was it, Grandpa? Ashton. Ashton, Ashton, show me your left hand. Can you put your left hand out? Can you put your left hand out? Is that something defective with Ashton? Not at all. A child. Thank you, Ashton. You're going to be a preacher one day. There is nothing wrong with a child of two years of age because a child of two years of age said left hand, right hand. I don't know. Here are my two hands. And that's what God is saying. I have 120,000 children under two in Nineveh. Now, you've got to add the children up to ten, and then you've got to add teenagers, and then you've got to add young adults, and then you've got to add moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and everybody else. And so some scholars, write this down, please, some scholars have included that, in, that in fact, the population of Nineveh was somewhere between 600,000 and 2 million human beings. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Ask the God who 24-7 is looking for an excuse to save anyone. And in one glorious instant, He saves two million at one time. I know what you're saying. Oh, come on, Dwight. He didn't save them. He just spared them. Oh, picky, picky, picky. If you spare somebody, you save somebody. The point when God does salvation arithmetic... You can't even count the numbers. That's what Revelation 7 is trying to tell us. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Question, will we speak Chinese in heaven? Reminds me of the story Jesus told once upon a time about an employer who was hiring illegal aliens. Have you been following the uh, news lately coming out of the Congress? I mean, folks, let me tell you, right now the hottest political issue in the United States is what do we do with illegal immigrants? What shall we do? There are some who say, well, we ought to declare them all felons, deport them, build a wall so huge like the wall of China, they'll never be able to get in again. And then there are others that say, hey, wait a minute, we ought to find a way to slowly integrate them into eventual citizenship in this nation, or the solutions are somewhere in between. And I'm not wanting to to, uh, simplify a very complex answer, but this much I know, I was talking with an illegal alien this week who may be right here right now. Her visa has expired. She's supposed to be deported. I talked this week with her attorney in Washington, the nation's capital. This much I know. I'm going to do everything I can to help that woman stay right here. They want to make it a felony? Make it a felony. Churches ought to be a safe place. Churches ought to be a refuge for people. Anyway, Jesus tells this story about a farmer who needed day laborers to help him harvest this sprawling vineyard. Today's the day. I've got to have them today. And so he jumps into that rusty old 
bucket of bolts, his pickup, and he drives down to the corner in his town, just like in Virginia, just like in Michigan, just like in California. You can do it today. There are all the migrant workers hoping somebody will hire them. He said, hey, fellas, you want to work today? I'll pay you minimum wage. I'll take good care of you. I need you for 12 hours. Jump in. And boy, that pickup fills up, cloud of dust, back to the old vineyard, and they go to work in the heat of the day. Three hours later, the farmer's doing the mental arithmetic and crunching numbers, and he says, there's no way, there's no way we can do this with, with this kind of help. I've got to get more. He drives back into town. Hey, fellas, another pickup load full, back to the vineyard. Three hours later, he does the arithmetic again. I can't do this. We'll never get it done. Back into town, another pickup load full. Finally, at 5 o'clock, i got one hour left, one hour of daylight, and we've got to get the grapes in I need more back to town. And there's still migrant workers hanging around because nobody has hired them. I'll tell you what, I'll pay you what's fair. Get in this pickup. Let's go. Boom. And in one hour, they finish the harvest. The landowner instructs his, account, his accountant, start with, the, start with the fellows who came last. And you can see their eyes about pop out when they receive 12 hours worth of pay for the one little hour they put into work. And the migrants who came first, whoa, they're crunching numbers. Can you imagine what we're going to get paid when it's our turn? And when they get up to the cash box, they get, they get the same amount. And the place erupts in angry voices. And let's let Jesus pick up the story right here. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 20. We'll pick it up. As soon as we get that on the screen, we will pick it up. <laughs> Come on, guys. There we go. Matthew chapter 20. When they had received their wage, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men, these are the early migrants. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And the landowner speaks back. He answers one of them who must have been the spokesman. Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius, which would be minimum wage for one day? Didn't you agree? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Write that down. God asks the question of us. Are you envious because I am generous? Is that our problem? Come to me, God says, in the last hour of life, and I'll give you the same gift that I give to the people who have walked with me all their lives. Pastor John, you were telling the story about your dad last night, the moving story. Your dad was a jazz trumpeter. He played with the greats in jazz music in New York. And you've prayed for your dad all, all your life, but you have no idea. Did he, come? he just died a week ago. Did dad die saved? I want to tell you something. Pastor John, God is like a divine auctioneer. He just needs one little finger, just one little raise of the brow. I'll take it. I'll take it. Boom! And he says, soul, you get it. You get it, boy. You get it. You get it from me. You get my whole kingdom. Did I see your finger move? Some, I tell you what, the problem is some of us have a God. I'm embarrassed with the God we have. We don't have a God who's looking 24-7 for an excuse to save anybody. We, we have a God who's looking 24-7 for an excuse to lose another one. Let me condemn that one. Let me lose that whole group over there. Gone. Good riddance of bad rubbish. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? I like to think that when your dad, in his heart, just, just a little flicker of his finger, I, I'll take the Lord to my son. Boom. Sold. You can have it. You can have heaven. Yeah. Write it down, folks. This God who 24-7 is looking for an excuse to save 
anyone. And by the way, he keeps going back. Is anybody else left? Anybody else? Anybody? He keeps going back looking for lost people. Which is why, I repeat, when God does salvation arithmetic, you can't even count His numbers. Oh, so shall we pout and grump like Jonah and the first of the day laborers and wave our little spiritual fists in God's face? Not fair, not fair. You can't do that. I'll tell you what, let me just say this because we're running out of time. Let me just say this. I don't understand Adventists. I don't understand Christians who pray this prayer. Oh, Jesus, come right now. I don't care if it's just me and the kids saved Jesus, but you have to come right now. That has to be the most selfish prayer in the universe. You know why? You know what you're saying? Forget the 1.3 billion in China. Just save my wife and me and our kids, will you? That'd be good enough. Just the four of us in heaven. I want to tell you something. If that's the prayer you're praying, oh, Jesus, come soon, please, please come soon. If you're praying that prayer and not lifting a little pinky to help God increase the population of heaven, you don't have the heart of the Father and you won't be going anyway. You won't be going. He's only bringing people that are like Him home who have His heart. Maybe our God really is too small. Do you suppose that's it? Our God is too small. He can't handle big numbers. And after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. I leave it with you. The portrait of a very, very, very generous God who if He generously saved 2 million Ninevites could just as generously save 1.3 billion Chinese if He wants to. Or to put it another way, would it bother you if he did? And are you envious because I am generous? Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious. Hallelujah. All are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Which, by the way, would surely include Benton Harbor... That inner city, 12 miles up the road from where we're worshiping right now. I got, a, I, got a, I got an email this last week from one of our Andrews University students. I got to read this to you. In of all places, Moscow, Russia. So she's writing, Dear Pastor Nelson, I had the privilege of listening to your sermon when God's last question becomes our first. That was the, that was the study on Jonah. I listened today on the internet. Even though I live right next door to the church I normally attend, I felt like listening to some English sermons instead. That's why our website, 24-7, around the world. Now, she says, I live in Moscow at the moment. I was a freshman at Andrews last year. You made a call for evangelism and missionary work one Sabbath. Now, listen. Last year, I was on the verge of giving up Christianity. I felt like I was being a halfway Christian, and I would rather <clears throat> be rather be all non-Christian than a hypocritical Christian. And so, I came to church. God had other plans for her life. I've been in Moscow for almost a year. You were talking of reaching the cities and I smiled as you said, we don't have to go to Moscow. You remember we did say that, didn't we? Or some other place that we can start in the States. You're right. Sometimes it's frustrating and difficult to work with people and meet their needs. For one, 
I don't, I don't know Russian fluently, so I don't know how to talk to them, but your sermon reminded me that I can still do more. Thank you for taking the time to reach out to remind people that we need to care like Christ cares. Okay, now, now here's the ending to the email. Listen to this. Have a wonderful and blessed Sabbath. I hope to return to Andrews next fall and hopefully start attending the Benton Harbor Church. I guess I'll have to listen to your sermons online after that. God bless. Sincerely, Nadine Duick. Isn't that great? Look, if all this number crunching is true, and God is really very big on saving sinners, come on, think with me now, then does it not follow that the children of God like you and me and Naveen, does it not follow that we would be just as big on saving sinners as He is? Huh? Bruce Wilkinson of the mega bestseller Prayer of Jabez fame wrote a follow-up book, which I have in my library as well. It's called Beyond Jabez. And in this book, he, he, he refers to this moment in Revelation 7, verse 9. Take a look in your study guide. You have the quotation right there. God has shown us. He write, I tell you what, I've written these words into the margin of my Bible because they really cut me to the heart. God has shown us how our story ends with countless people from every nation on earth crying out joyfully to God. And here are the questions that hold me like a... Like, white-knuckled grip around my throat. Here are two questions he asks. What part of that throng will be there because of you? Oh, just save me and my children. What part of that throng will be there because of you? And here's the follow-up. What part of God's dream is linked to your destiny? Look at this, guys. Watch these two hands. You have a destiny... God has a dream. The great object of life is to align our destinies with God's dream. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter what, what major you're pursuing here at Andrews. It doesn't matter what career you're looking forward to or what occupation you've, you've already chosen or mine. What matters is we have a destiny, every one of us, and the object of life is to align our destinies with God's dream. And by the way, what do you suppose God's dream is? To save every human being he can possibly save. Wilkinson goes on. I like this. Just think what a difference you could make in many, many lives if you were to pray passionately and faithfully for enlarged territory from God for God. Imagine the miraculous divine partnership that will grow out of your plea. You want to pray a prayer to start praying? Circle these words. Take it back to your dormitory room, back to your house in the community. Imagine what would happen if you started to Pray, let me accomplish more for you. That's not a self-centered prayer. That's the most unselfish prayer you can pray. Just let me do more for you, Jesus. Please just let me do more for you, whatever it is. Help me. And then I love the closer. With His infinite ability and your willing availability, He can literally do anything. You can end up as an Andrews University student in the heart of Moscow and not speak a word of Russian and be building the kingdom of Christ over there. Man, He can do anything with your availability. You say, ah, oh, come on, that's just a best-selling author writing. Okay? Take a look at these words written a century ago. Put them on the screen, please. Desire of ages. There is no limit to the usefulness of one who, by putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon her heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. Now are you satisfied? Let's close with a quiz. Two-question quiz. You answer it. It's right there in your study guide. Question number one. By the grace of God, do you want to be there in heaven in that innumerable throng? Huh? Yes or no? 
Put a check mark there about a yes. Of course you do. Is there anybody here who doesn't want to go to heaven? Not in your life. Anybody watching? Nobody, nobody. Okay, question number two. Please answer this as well. By the grace of God, do you want to help Him add people to that throng one day? What's your answer? Put a check by the yes. Can you imagine somebody here saying, No, I don't want to help him. I don't want to help him. I just want to get there myself. Are you crazy? As we traveled in mainland China, our host, the Hong Kong pastor, Doug Martin, a great, great guy. Doug was our host and gave each of us two Chinese Bibles to put in our luggage. The reason you've got to do that is because you can't take a whole suitcase, even from Hong Kong, which is communist China, across the border into mainland China because the author- oh, suitcase of Bibles, you're out of here. So he divided our Bibles up so we each were carrying two in our luggage. And then when we got in and Doug was with us, he was leading our group, about seven of us, we, were, we went to Beijing and Shanghai and Shenzhen. Doug would keep pulling Bibles out and finding people that he felt were open to receiving the Bible. One night we were checking into a hotel and Doug arranged with the desk clerk to get a Bible to our driver who had taken us all, all through the city. And then he looked at her and he said, he said in Chinese as he handed her this book, he said, and I also have one of these for you. And she said, no, 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 no. Because it just looked like a regular book. She said, no, 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 no. And then she opened the cover and realized she was holding a Bible. And I tell you the truth, her face lighted up as she cuts that book to her heart. And she said, may I really keep this? Hey, guys, we're not talking heroics here. We're talking one Bible at a time. Just one Bible at a time. Three weeks from today, Danny, we're renting buses. Take this little book. Actually, a, a condensation of this little book right here. You, you helped write this book. Ten Commandments twice removed. For the first time in American history, this nation is celebrating, in a few weeks, is celebrating the Ten Commandments. I don't know about you, but my feeling is we ought to be at the front of that celebration. huh? We ought to be at the front. So we're going to take this book, thousands of them, and we're going to hand one out to every house in Benton Harbor. And we're going to take buses, aren't we, Pastor Pat? We're going up to Holland. We're going to take leftover students and going up to Holland. So faculty, students, community members. Why? Because God needs all the help He can get. And we want to go out. It's a no-brainer. 3ABN. 3ABN exists for one solitary passion. And that is to grow the number of that throng in heaven. I want to tell you something, Danny. Andrews University exists for one solitary passion. And that is to grow the number of that throng in heaven. Sending out our brightest and best young adults into every strata of society, into every nation of earth. We're in partnership together. You're among friends here. We're in partnership together to reach China and Russia and Kenya and America Benton Harbor. How did Wilkinson put it? By the way, let me see you. Let me see you three Sabbaths from today. That's when it's going to be. Three Sabbaths from today. Mark it on your calendar. We've got to be together. Three Sabbaths from today. We'll take the whole campus up there. How did Wilkinson? What's that closer from Wilkinson? I got it here somewhere. Oh, here it is. Put it on the screen. With his infinite ability and your willing availability. God can literally do anything. All He needs is our willing 
availability. Let's pray. Oh, God. Oh, my. We see the dream. You shot a snapshot of the future and you put it in Revelation. There's no way to do your numbers. We can't count them. But knowing your dream, Holy Father, you've got to know our hearts. Two things. One, we want to be there. Please, you see our picture in that snapshot, don't you? We're there, aren't we? By the grace of the Lord Jesus, God, we are there. But, oh God, we don't want to go alone. No, we cannot. We, 1.3 billion in China, nearly 300,000 in this nation. We have, we, we have got to go to these others. So please, dear God, do whatever it takes, but equip us into, into modern-day missionaries like the Lord Jesus and grow the numbers, grow that throng, because we share your dream. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.